we're doing a work and, and there's people getting saved, but we're not functioning on all pistons. And we're not running smooth because we got some who have disqualified themselves. We got some who have just decided, you know what, let someone else do it. But Christ has gifted us all for the work of the ministry. And when we're all doing our part, the ministry operates and runs smoothly. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. We're in the book of Ephesians. We're in chapter 4 today, verses 7 through 16. And today we learn that He has equipped us And he has edified us. But this is a continual process. The equipping, the edifying, it's something that God is continually doing just as we grow up in faith in him. Picking up in verse 11, he says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Now, when you put the word some in front of each of those statements, It means that he himself did not give all to be prophets, all to be apostles, all to be evangelists, all to be pastors, all to be teachers. But again, the Lord, his measure of grace, in that measure of grace, he gave some. An apostle, technically, it means one who is sent. Now, we think of the apostles, we think of the 12, don't we? We think of the disciples that walked with Jesus while he ministered here on this earth. And of course, we know that Judas betrayed the Lord and hung himself. And then in a replacement to that, the apostles, the 11, they elected Matthias to be the number 12. Now, Paul never argues against this, although through the church, quite often they say that Matthias was a mistake. They should have never named him as an apostle. Paul was the 12th. God named him. But I find in scripture where in 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul refers to the 12, and then he says, me, an apostle all of due time, that he would make himself, in a sense, number 13, but never neglecting the 12 that was given. But we think about the 12, we think about the apostles and their work in ministry, that they had originally a work of ministry of setting up the church, of getting God's word to us. And that was a specific work. Now, It wasn't just the 11 disciples plus Matthias plus Paul that are named as apostles in Scripture. There are others that were named. Some of the others named was Barnabas, James, the brother of our Lord, and even Jesus. 
In Hebrews 3.1, it tells us about Jesus. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him. Now, apostle, one who is sent. Jesus was sent by his father. So technically, he comes into that definition of what it means to be an apostle. He was sent. Now, we think about Jesus being an apostle. We think about the 12 plus Paul and plus a couple of others named in Scripture, Barnabas, James. But we too can be an apostle in the sense that we have been sent forth. God has sent us. He has commissioned us. Now, I don't want you guys running around calling yourselves apostles, though. I get kind of uncomfortable when I get introduced to an apostle, especially when they introduce themselves as the apostle. Hi, I am apostle so-and-so. And I always, I kid you not, I think, really? <laughs> we know they're the 12. We know that there can be apostles today. I think it's still a special ministry, and I don't think all are called to it. But there are those who, no doubt to this day, have that type of effective ministry to our nation through parts of the world where they would qualify and this great gifting as an apostle. Prophets? Prophet is someone who foretells or foretells. Foretelling by the Spirit of God, either the Word of God or things that are going to happen through prophecy, or foretelling, they're preaching, in a sense, a type of preaching the Word of God. Now, prophet in... 2 Peter 1.21, it says, Prophecy never came by the will of man, but by holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So the work and gifting of prophecy, it should never go against the word of God. So any prophecy that is given even to this day, I believe that there are prophets, but it shouldn't go against the word of God. It's not going to erase anything that's been given to us already in Scripture, but it would only build upon that. And I've had people prophesy over me, and I've had the wait-and-see attitude on it. And sometimes this waiting and seeing, it's, it's wisdom. Because um, I have learned through the years that a lot of times people are saying nice things, but they're not prophesying God's word to me because their word did not come true. And, and we know the test of a prophet is, is that their word will never fail because it's by the Spirit that they prophesy. Evangelists... Someone who proclaims the gospel, it's only found three times in the New Testament. So that's interesting to me. It's found in this verse. He gave some to be an evangelist. But it was even very rare, even in their days. In Acts 21.8, Paul's companions entered into the house of Philip the evangelist. We remember Philip from Acts chapter 6. He was a deacon. And then we get to Acts chapter 21. He is an evangelist who had seven daughters who prophesied. And so he had this transformation. He began as someone who was just faithful in the church, who was raised up to the position of a deacon, who God used to minister to uh, the Samaritans, who God used to minister to the Ethiopian eunuch. And then later on, he is known as an evangelist. He is a preacher of the gospel. And then in 2 Timothy 4, 5, Paul told Timothy to do the work of the evangelist fulfill your ministry. Didn't mean that he had really the gift of evangelism. He said, do the work though. Proclaim it. I think I might qualify in that 
statement that Paul might write the same to me because I don't feel that the Lord has gifted me as an evangelist, but I do believe the Lord has gifted me as a pastor and a teacher, the next two on our list. A teacher, it's the name for shepherd, and it occurs 18 times in the New Testament, mostly in the Gospels, but three times it appears in the epistles. One here in verse 11, chapter 4, and then in Hebrew 13.20 and 1 Peter 2.25. It's interesting that in Hebrew's use of the word shepherd, in 1 Peter's use of the word shepherd, it's referring to Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 13.20, it says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. And 1 Peter 2.25, For you... We're all like sheep going astray, but now I've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So a name that's used in the Gospels, but in the epistles, only found three times, and two of the three times it's referring to Jesus Christ. It's not even referring to a pastor, to a shepherd of a flock or a a fellowship. There's ministers, other words that could be used to describe the work of a pastor also. And then that of the teacher. It's one who instructs, one who teaches. And there's a warning about this in James 3.1. It says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. There's some verses in Scripture that you just don't care for too much. James 3.1, because I'm a teacher, is one that it's like, Lord, what have you gotten me into? Because I feel like I have compelled into this. The Lord called me into it, so... If I didn't obey the call of God in my life, I'd be a disobedient for not doing so. But because I have obeyed the call of God in my life and have um, set myself up as a pastor teacher, that then I am held to a stricter judgment because of that. But I just have to deal with it when I get to heaven. Now the purpose of these ministers in verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so the purpose for the apostle, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teacher is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Although the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher are doing the work of the ministry, it's not solely theirs. We are all part of the body of Christ. We have all been gifted according to the measure of Christ's gift. His grace has been put upon us. So the teaching, we come into fellowship to learn and to grow, but to equip us for the call that God has placed upon our lives. Maybe we are an individual that supports others, like the one who supported Jim Daly to go to this uh, youth camp, that when he went, he gave his heart to Jesus. Maybe we are those who support others through prayer. Maybe we're those who support through our work, through our ability to uh, just minister to We've been having the cleaning on the church, but, you know, that's a gifting. It's, it's so nice to walk into a clean fellowship. Now, I don't know if God did this by the winds today, but when I came up the sidewalk today, and this is amazing, there was no leaves on the sidewalk. Now, it's fall. We would expect a lot of leaves. Now, what usually happens is that we'll have several people walk and crunch the leaves and come into the church And when I get here, they're still here, still laying on the sidewalk. And one of my first duties often is to grab a broom and just clean off the sidewalk. 
It was nice not to have to grab the broom today. I don't know if it was done for me or if the God did it through the wind. But if anybody wants a gift of service, there's one that your pastor would appreciate. Just beat me here to church and clean the sidewalk off, and that'll be one less thing. But you know, that's the work of ministry, just one less thing. If we're all working together. Years ago when I was working at Jewel, I had gotten someone mad at me. Hard to believe, isn't it? <laughs> and I came out of the work at midnight, and, uh, and I went to start my car, and it wouldn't start. So I opened the hood. No longer did I have any, um, any spark plug wires or a distributor wire. And so I went looking through the parking lot, and I found almost all the wires, enough to get me home, but I wasn't running on all cylinders. So I found the distributor wire, and I think three more. I had a four-cylinder, so I was missing one. But it started, and I drove home that way anyways. I couldn't find the fourth. Now, it ran. It got me to where I wanted to go. It made a lot of noise, but it got me there. So often, I think the church... We're like that. We're running on, on, we're hitting and missing on cylinders. We're not hitting all together. And we're just not functioning as we should. We, we get there, we're kind of, we're doing the work and, and there's people getting saved, but we're not functioning on all pistons. And we're not running smooth because we got some who have disqualified themselves. We got some who have just decided, you know what, let someone else do it. But Christ has gifted us all for the work of the ministry, and when we're all doing our part, the ministry operates and runs smoothly. So it's the equipping of the saints. It's for the edifying of the body that we come together to hear the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, but to lift us up, to edify us. Till, verse 14, till we come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's this upward flow in this passage. It's upward flow to Christ. He's equipping us. He's edifying us to bring us to this unity of faith. You know, the word unity in the New Testament is only found twice in all of the New Testament, and it is only found in chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians. In verse 3, he talked about endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. And here in verse 13, until we come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. We're to endeavor to keep the bonds of peace because of the unity of the Spirit. There is unity because of the Holy Spirit, but we need to come to this unity of faith and the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is until we become a perfect man. Now, I confess that I... I will have to die first before my perfection comes. But he is working out perfection in my life. He's, it's a word for to be complete. It has that same feel to it. I'll never be perfect in this flesh, but he is working out that in me while I am on this earth. He's doing that for you too. Until we come to the fullness of Christ, there's this upward flow in verse 14 that we should no longer be like children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness by which they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Now, I think the church today 
I look at much of the church at large, especially here in the United States, and I think that we are children who are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. All you have to do is go to your favorite Christian bookstore and you'll have the top 40 this, the top 40 that. And we have Christians running like little lemmings. You know, they, they follow each other this way and that way. And a lemming will run off a cliff. I guess apparently some lambs did this not too long ago. I, where some shepherds over in the Middle East were watching their flock and one of the lambs got too close to the edge and fell off over this cliff. And before it was done, over 400 lambs had fallen off and died. But the other thousand that was following, they survived because they fell in that nice cushy lamb pile that had preceded them. And we are so often just going after the next new greatest thing. You know, I get stuff all the time in either phone calls trying to sell us something here at the church or via email and or by letters that they're going to sell us the next new thing. We were at this event on Thursday, and they were, they were promoting the next new thing. I, I have the book that they were promoting because they gave it to me because a year ago they were promoting this book, and they're still a year later promoting this book. But they had a promo on it, and the pastor said, when our church did this 33 days, we increased our attendance by 23%. But I tell you what, that book is going to be done one day, and then they're going to be looking for the next new thing. I guarantee you that next new thing is already in production right now. Somebody's working on it right now. They're hoping to be the next purpose-driven life type book that they can sell the church. But we fall into that. We fall prey to that. But Christ has given us everything that we need. He has already provided all that we need. And I fear that we spend too much time being tossed to and fro, being carried by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by cunning craftiness. And we neglect what we should be doing, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, that we can grow up in all things into him. That upward flow of this passage is that we're growing up into him who is the head, who is Christ. Our concern should be Jesus Christ. Our concern should not be ourselves or how we fit in the picture, but that we should be faithful as followers of Jesus Christ as we are being made complete in him, that we're growing up into all things to him. He is our head. And it is from him, verse 16, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. I almost titled the message that. Every part does its share. As I get older, not every part is doing its share anymore in my body. I'm limited because of that. It's just how it is. Melissa was laughing at me one day because she saw me chasing the grandchildren, but she says, you waddle when you run. That's because my big toes hurt, my knees hurt, and my back hurts. At least I'm trying to run. I know it doesn't look like a run anymore, but I'm doing the best I can. Sadly, I think quite often our churches in the United States throughout the world are doing the best they can. And I think they're doing the best they can is because not every part is doing its share. You know, we're lacking because we're not taking the gifts that by grace he has given and measured out to each one of us 
And he wants us to have the full effect of these giftings in our life. And it could be the gift of encouragement. That could be your deal. All you have to do is smile and say hello to someone. And it could lighten up their day. And that could be your gift. I'm a guy and I get so, you probably know it, but I'll walk by you because I'll have something on my mind and I've, okay, I've finished this, now this is next. And then I got to do this. And so that's how I'm wired. And I don't have good peripheral vision. I don't see what's going on around me. But maybe you have good vision like that. And you can follow behind me. I'm sorry, Pastor John was so rude. But anyways, <laughs> we want you to know that we sure appreciate that you're with us today. And you can have that type of gifting. Help me to look good, please. <laughs> but it's not about me. It's about Christ Jesus. And it's, you know, it's, it's when we pick up our part. The effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body. Why isn't our church growing? Well, it's because we haven't got the top 40 book. <laughs> no. I think... It goes back to every part doesn't do its share. Therefore, the body can't grow. We're limited. You know, you, so many pastors, and not just pastors, it's, it's small churches like us that we burn out people. Pastors get burned out. Worship leaders get burned out. Sunday school teachers get burned out. And eventually, those who get overused and burned out, eventually they move on. And when they move on, they go and sit for about a year or so because they're so wiped out. And then they get plugged in again, and the whole process could start over again for them. But if we all would do our share, many hands does easy work. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You know, that phrase has just been, I'm still chewing on it, to be honest with you. When every joint, Joint together, Christ our head, every joint knit together. He's supplying the nutrients, everything we need by the Holy Spirit. According to the effective working by which every part does its share, it causes growth in the body for the edifying of itself. That tells me that we don't have to look outside of this, the church itself. We don't have to look outside the church. And the church today is looking outside of itself. And they're saying Christ isn't enough. But there's the edifying of itself in love. It's all here. It's all available to us. It's through Christ Jesus. He has gifted it to us. He who descended first into the lower parts of hell and ascended victoriously into heaven. He's fulfilled all things. He is the head of the church. He has given some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. It is his desire that we would be equipped for the work of the ministry, that we would be edified as part of the body of Christ, that we would not be like children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, but that we would become to this place of maturity where we speak to each other truth and love, that we're growing up continually to Christ who is our head, that we may love each other. And as part of that, doing our share, I get a picture of the church when I look through this passage. That if we could get these verses down, wow. God can work through people who are obedient to his word. Father, I pray that we would be that people. 
Lord, that you would just have your work with us. And, and for you to work in it, it doesn't mean that we have to be a large church. We have to be a big church. We're not judging by numbers, Lord. What we're judging is, are we being conformed into your image? Are you ministering through us, through the ones that you have given us to minister and to teach us? Are we growing? Are we being edified? Are we doing the work, our share of ministry that you've called us to? Are we being conformed into your image? Father, are we doing it in love? I pray, Lord, that in many of these questions, we probably can say yes and probably can say no. And so, Lord, I pray that you would work in this fellowship. We know, Lord, that we are part of the church. We are part of your church. You are the head, and you have many congregations throughout the world. We're just one joint, one part of this church. But within this church, Lord, I pray that we would function, and we do well. I believe, Lord, we do well. But I know that there's more for me. I know, Lord, you want more out of me. And I pray, Lord, that that is the desire of each of us here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Let go.